This is awesome, guys. It's so good to be here together with you guys today. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can open up to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. We are jumping out of our study in Matthew right now, taking a detour for today, and we'll be in 1 Peter again, chapter 1. As I mentioned when we first started there, uh, that it's been 32 weeks 224 days since our country first started really to shut down, and and many churches, our church included, along with it, we closed our doors for a period of time and went to live stream, and then of course we we opened back up, and 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 slowly but surely people have continued to come back to in-person gatherings. But it's been a long time, for lack of a better term, since we've been together in this way, and because of of 32 weeks and counting now of restrictions and precautions and cancellations and everything that's come along with it this year, it's been a tough year. Amen? You can say that. It's been a tough year. It's okay. Even as Christians, you're inclined to say, but God is faithful in the midst of it all, and you praise Him, right? And amen to that. But it's also okay to recognize, Lord, it's been a challenging year. And as we know, it has only been compounded by social unrest, issues of ethnic and racial inequality that have begun to sweep our country again, divisive politics. And we've heard this, right? We've seen this. We've discussed this a million times over the last several months. And so you might be thinking, well, is this why you encouraged us to come out today, right? We're going to go through this again? Well, to some degree, yes, because I believe the Lord has a word for us today as it pertains to these things. I'm curious, though I don't want to rehash all these things, right? It's not about focusing on them. I'm curious for each of you, if you just reflect for a moment and even allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to to move in your hearts and your minds and, and consider the questions, what has this year been like for you? When you think about 2020, what have been the challenges for you personally? More specifically, I wonder even, what have the disappointments been? I trust that, that there have been some, if not many, highlights throughout the year, things that we can look to and go, praise God for that. Because as I've mentioned, we are still a people who recognize that God has blessed us. But no doubt you found this year to be filled with failed expectations, things that you had hoped in that haven't come to fruition. I wonder what were your hopes for this year when 2020 began? You can even go back. A lot of my hopes are, are recorded. <laughs> Because when you share on a Sunday morning, you record the message and you do a New Year's message at the beginning of the year, you can go back and you can say, well, what was it that I was thinking? What were the things that I was hoping were going to happen? What were your expectations for this year? What are your hopes even now as you think about the next few months, as you think about 2021? Are there things that you're in your mind saying, I hope that this happens The word hope, and I shared this in a recent devotion a couple of weeks ago. Some of you may have seen it. The word hope is defined as a noun, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, or a feeling of trust. It's also defined as a verb where you want something to happen or to be the case. That is, you are expecting it. You are anticipating it. You are looking for it to happen. Your trust is in it. Your hope is in it. This idea feels fitting for us to consider today within the context of 1 Peter chapter 1 because while, yes, this has been a tough year and it's been filled certainly with disappointments and unmet expectations and and dashed hopes, I would submit to you that this year has, in fact, been a blessing. 
Now, it's not that I want to sound tone deaf or to minimize things that any of you have faced in this year, but I would also remind us that as a church, and you can even go back to the beginning of the year, once again, some of these things are even recorded, and you can find us as a church, maybe even still today, hopefully still today, praying things like, Lord, do what it takes to bring revival to our country again. Lord, do what it takes for me to make the necessary changes in my life that I know I need to make. How many of you at various times in your life have responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit knowing my life needs to change, but what happens? Life gets in the way. All the things get in the way. Your activities get in the way. So many things prevent you from moving forward in the commitments that you've made to God. We pray things like, Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, give us perspective. Lord, reach people with the gospel. Lord, bring change in my life, and so on, and so on, and so on. And, and as we pray these prayers, if we're honest, inevitably we want, Lord, do all these things, but keep it peaceful. Lord, Lord, if, you, if, it, if it would just not be so painful. If you can make these changes in my life, Lord, and, and just make it quick and easy. Keep me prosperous. But rarely do these things result, when, when this happens, when we experience safety and prosperity in our lives, rarely do those things result in spiritual transformation. Look throughout history. Look throughout the Word of God. Rarely. Did people respond to the call of God unless they were brought to a place of difficulty, brought into the valley before he began to work? And bringing a people to a place of surrender before a holy and righteous God to a place where a person says, you and you alone, Jesus, are all I want, all I need, all I'm hoping for. While I don't pretend to have all of the answers for this year or for me personally to say that I know the mind of God, I can tell you certainly in my own life, and I suspect many of yours, that He is bringing me to a place of dependence on Him. That even this morning as I woke up and I thought, Lord, it's raining. Every time we go outside, Lord, it rains. Every time we try and do an event, and these, this is a silly little thing, it's just rain, but even in that, it reminds me, Lord, I have no control. And for a type A control freak, that's really scary. No amens on that, only laughs. Okay, I got an amen back there. Praise the Lord. I didn't think I was alone. He's bringing me to a place of dependence, toppling over and over and over again idols, Idols of expectations, idols of false hope, idols of false security. He and he alone is showing himself to be the only thing that is true, the only thing that is sure, the only one that we can truly hope in. And so that is why we are here today, because in the midst of it all, he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Now, this is what the Apostle Peter, in many respects, was writing in his letter about. He was writing to Christians who were having a tough time. Life was hard. Things were not going their way. So he wrote to them to encourage them. He encouraged them to remember what their hope was, what God's promises are, 
and how to live in light of those truths. And I believe it's just as applicable for us today. In verse 1, we read, To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These Christians, because of persecution, were now spread throughout Asia Minor. And they had a sense of being pilgrims. That this place, the world that they lived in, was not their home. Later in chapter 2, verse 11, Peter would call them sojourners. Other translations would render that resident aliens. Peter, in addressing them, said, Remember, you do not live here. This is not your home. This is not your forever place. When we sang earlier of King of Glory, and, and we sing about beginning to worship Him, knowing and trusting that He's coming again. In, in the other songs there that we sang about Him establishing a new creation and bringing a new heaven and a new earth. If those are truths that we celebrate today, if you believe that in your heart, then it means this is not your home. You are just passing through. You're a pilgrim here. He goes on to say in verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied to you. He said, what Peter is saying here is he's saying, God chose you, Christian. And don't get all wrapped up in exactly how that works. Just delight in the fact that a holy and righteous God said, I want you. And if you aren't saved today, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, and you're thinking, well, what, what if I'm not the elect? I tell you what, get saved today, and then you can rejoice that God chose you too. Peter says to them, as you consider the fact that God chose you and is working in you, that sanctification, he says, may you know in that then more and more of God's grace and peace. I would say to you this morning that I want you to be a people who know more and more and more the grace and the goodness of God. He goes on to say in verse 3, and it's unbelievable to me, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gets to verse 3 and he drops something on us like this. In verses 3 through 5, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Do you know what he is saying here? In these, in these few verses, what it is that he is communicating, he's saying, in his mercy, in his mercy, God not giving us what we deserve, life over death, we're all deserving of death, but he, through, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, has given us life, we've been born again to a decent hope, right? A mediocre hope, a potential hope. No, a living hope, a hope that is alive. Remember the definition of hope, something you are expecting, something you are looking for, something you are anticipating. You, Christian, have been born again to that living hope. Peter's saying, thank God that we have been born again into a life full of hope. Do you see that? In a time where many feel hopeless, we are to be hopeful full of hope. Why? Because through Christ's rising again from the dead, we too have been made alive. Amen? Because of this, because of what he has done, he says you can now hope. You too can hope. The implication is before that, you couldn't. 
Any hope that you may have had would fail you. It would fade. It was a false hope. Until Christ and until you believe in Christ, you don't have hope. But when you know Jesus, you are now full of hope. What can you hope in? Peter says you can hope for a perfect inheritance. A perfect inheritance that, listen, he says is beyond the reach It means it it can't go there. It can't touch it. It's beyond the reach of change. This inheritance does not change. It's beyond the reach of decay. It will not fade away. And might I add, it is beyond the reach of a pandemic. It is beyond the reach of politics. It is beyond the reach of hatred and racism. It is beyond all of that. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. It transcends all things. And he says that it is reserved in heaven for you. Any of you ever been anywhere where something was reserved for you? Whether you called ahead to a store and they said, we'll set it aside, or you went to a wedding and and they had a row reserved or a seat or anything, you got a ticket that's reserved for you. Don't tell me you didn't think you were special when you walked up and you're like, "It's, it's reserved. That's for me. Nobody else can sit there. That's mine, right? You did. You felt great about it. And it's okay if inside you were like, wow, I feel special. There is an inheritance in heaven reserved for you, Christian. It's just for you. And not just that, but Peter also says in the meantime, which is, that's right now, you are guarded by the power of God operating through your faith. Do you understand that today? That right now, no matter what's going on, God is at work through your faith, through your belief in Him, protecting you and sanctifying you until you enter fully into salvation at the last day. That's an incredible promise. That's a living hope. This inheritance, it speaks of something not yet received, but it is promised to you. And Christian, that is key. Once again, we recognize that this is not our home, but sometimes we treat it a little too much like it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 and 20 say, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. He says, if this is it, if it's just right here, well then forget all this. But he goes on to say, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And because of that promise, we see verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Do you rejoice in the fact that Jesus is alive today and because of him, you have a promised inheritance in heaven? I need to hear more than that, folks. Can I get an amen? We must rejoice in this today. Do you rejoice in the fact that you've been born again to a living hope? That all your other hopes are dead hopes. They fail. They fade. You have the promise of something better. Now listen, you may be sitting there today going, man, I want to believe all this. I want to trust in all this. But it's hard right now. You might say to me, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. And you're right. I can't look at every single one of you in the eye and say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with. But God does. And he encourages us through his word as he says through Peter, though now, for a little while, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. 
That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying to you? He's saying, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is communicating to you, I know that it's hard. I know that you're going through difficulties. And this may, we may struggle with this sometimes, but, but the implication of the passage here is that God says, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes, and that's where we can go back and we can look at this year and we can all say, oh man, I can't wait till it's over. And, and listen, I'm not going to fault anybody for saying that. I grow weary myself, but we can look at this and we can say, maybe this is necessary. Maybe what's happening right now is that God is at work and he's doing something because we have the promise. If it says here that for a little while, if need be, these things have happened in your life. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith, though it's tested by fire, will result in praise and will result in honor and will result in glory. That's you. That's God saying, I'm doing this in your life. That's him as he says elsewhere to us through the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 28 and 29, that I work all things together for good for those that love me and are the called according to my purpose. We quote that often, and you can say amen to that. God's working all things together for good. But in verse 29, Paul goes on to say, and why is he doing these things? So that you, you Christian, would be conformed to the image of the Son, so that you, in the difficulties and the trials, would be made like Jesus. That's what's happening to us. If you're allowing him to work in your life, if you're allowing God to move in your faith, then as difficult as all these things are right now, God's saying, I'm making you like me. I'm sanctifying you. I'm changing you. And in the last day, when you see me, it's going to be for honor and for glory and for praise. And I don't know about any of you, but as I think about me and I think about who I am and I think about who I was, the fact that I can stand before God on that day and in praise and glory is amazing. That's the power of a changed life. And may I submit to you this morning that God is still changing lives and he's changing our lives. And yeah, when I woke up this morning, I said, I don't like the rain and I want to get rained on again. But very quickly, the Lord had to bring me to a place of, do you trust me? You trust me with all of this? Have you not learned yet that I am in control and you are not? Would you let me work in your life? Would you let me continue to make you into the man that I've created you to be? Peter says, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so Peter understands to whomever of you may be sitting here today going, but I can't see him. Oh, it'd be easier if, if there was a sign. It'd be easier if there was this or there was that. And the fact is, God calls us to faith, to trust and to believe that he is. The heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11 they were honored because they believed, because they had faith. And so Peter recognizes, though you may not be able to see him now, with joy inexpressible, you still rejoice and praise him. In John 16, in chapter 16, in verses 31 through 33, Jesus says essentially, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. But do you have joy over this today? 
Do you have joy inexpressible today? Which, which essentially means that sometimes you really can't communicate it, and sometimes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you feel it in your heart. If not, is it maybe because you've been hoping in other things, setting your expectations on things that ultimately disappoint? Peter will go on to say in verses 10 through 12, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into What is Peter saying here? He says, you, Christian, possess what so many before you longed for, looked for. He says that the gospel that was preached to us and changed our lives intrigues the the angels in heaven that they look into it and think, what is this all about? Because differently than angels, we enjoy a relationship with the Creator that's absolutely unique and special. And so Peter says in verse 13, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Love it when there's a therefore there. In verse 13, what is Peter communicating here? He says, so people, pull yourself together. Pull yourself together and begin, instead of hoping and trusting in the things of this world, begin to rest all of your hope on Jesus the way that you trust in other things in your life, the way you look forward to other things, the way you expect other things, hope in other things, put it all on Jesus. All of it. To rest means you take all of the weight of your hope and your expectations and you put it on Jesus and He can handle that weight. How do we do this? Verse 14, as obedient children not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And so Peter says, you do this by living differently. You do this by living transformed. You don't live like this world. You say to the world, okay, you've thrown a pandemic at us. It's okay. I know Jesus. You say, oh, oh, you canceled everything I was looking forward to. It's okay. I have Jesus. You say, oh, the politicians let me down again. It's okay. Jesus is on the throne. You begin to live your life recognizing in every way, shape, and form that Jesus is all you need and he's all you have. And if you call on the Father, verse 17, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves, listen, throughout the time of your stay here in fear. What's the implication there? You don't live here. You're just staying here. Throughout the time of your stay, you ever checked into a hotel and they say what? Hope you enjoy your stay here. Oh yeah, great, because I've got my moving truck and I've brought all my things and I plan to stay here until I die. No, that wasn't in the terms. You paid for two nights, right? Hope you enjoy your stay here. They get it, right? Christians, we need to get this. We need to live life here like it's temporary because it is. And that doesn't mean we don't care, but rather with the expectation that we'll be leaving soon. So then we make the most of it. We live in a way that pleases Him. 
were used by Him to reach others with the truth of the Gospel. Why? Because verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter says, you do this and you live this way because it wasn't cheap. Because Jesus died for you. Because the Son of God came to earth, became a man, fully God, fully man, and willingly went to the cross. The perfect man who did no wrong, who was not guilty of anything, took the punishment of our sin upon himself and was sacrificed upon a cross that we might have eternal life. He indeed, verse 20, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. We're going to do something here before we move to the baptism. It says that he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory again, so that your faith and hope are in what? What are they in? I need to hear that louder. What are they in? Okay. We don't often do this, okay? Um, and I get that with a lot of people here today, this can be a little bit challenging, but I feel led by the Holy Spirit to do this. <clears throat> there's some paper on your tables and there's pens. I'm going to ask that right now, and we're going to take maybe five minutes or so to do this, okay? And it's going to require that some of you get up if you want to and come up here. And I'm going to ask some of you to be obedient to the Lord, not to me in doing this. <clears throat> right up here is a cross. It's a smaller cross, but it's a symbol. It reminds us of something. For Christians, we know exactly what it reminds us of. For the world, especially the Roman world of old, that was once only a means of death. But because of Jesus, it's a symbol now of life. God has a way of doing that, of redeeming things. And when I say things like, so that your faith and hope are in, I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to write on that paper, what are, what, what's, your, what's your hope often in? What are you sometimes hoping in other than Jesus? And listen, some of these things can be things that you feel like, man, I need this, or this is good, or I think God has blessed this. But the fact is, if you're honest with yourself, your hope is in that. Your hope might be, is it in a job? The need for a job? The security of a job? Is your hope in a relationship? Maybe there's a failed relationship this year that's almost a product of everything we've been going through because relationships are just strained. Maybe your hope is, is, is in a vaccine. Maybe you find yourself just saying, if only, if only this, then we could start to move forward. Maybe you, if you're honest, your hope is in drugs or alcohol. And any host of other things. And I'm going to ask you, no, we're, we're not going to see these. You're not writing your name on them, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do while David plays. I'm going to ask you to write those things down. And I'm going to ask you to get up and come up here and at the foot of the cross, just put it into this basin here. And if you don't have them yet, they're inside the mug. 
while he plays, I'm just going to trust that the Lord is moving on some of your hearts. And listen, again, I've said we don't, we don't often do this. I don't know that I've ever done this. And I realize that you're just putting a piece of paper into that bucket over there. But sometimes it's necessary for us, instead of just thinking about it in our minds and just reflecting on it, to say, no, I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to write it down, and in prayer I'm going to take it up there and say, Lord, you're the only hope that I have. Through your work upon the cross, you are my living hope. And as you toss it in there today, you're going to, in a symbolic way, yes, say, I'm done with it. As good as this thing may be, these may even be things that God will still answer prayers for. These may still be things that God would say, yes, I'm going to do this in your life, but let me do it. And trust me to do it. And hope in me to do it. Not the other way around. And so I'm going to pray and I encourage you just as you feel led to bring them up. Father, do this work in our hearts here now. Lord, we recognize that this is just a symbolic act, but much of what we do is today. Lord, as we, as we do baptism and as we, as we just worship together, Lord, we know that it's a symbol of what's to come. Thank you. And Lord, if we're honest, we, we, we far too often, Lord, hope in things other than you. And so, Lord, work in our hearts here now today. As we head into the, the last part of this year, Lord, come to a place, Lord, would we recognize I'm done hoping in all these other things, Lord, that disappoint. I'm only going to hope in you, Lord Jesus. Bring us to that place here now, we pray in Jesus' name. But here's what I want to do before we close out the message here. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes out of respect for others. Unless you're walking, keep your hands, keep your eyes open. And I wonder if there's any here today who as you consider what your hope is in and the fact that you've not been hoping in Jesus, it's that you've never hoped in Him at all as your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe more than just recognizing that, okay, Lord, I need to, I need to give you some of these things today. You're, you're at a place where you'd say, I need, to re, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. And I would ask that today you would make it that day just going to ask if that's you, that you just raise your hand today. Why? So that our elders can pray for you, so that we can connect with you aside and make sure that you have the resources to be discipled. And so I'm just going to ask if, that's, if, if you've given your life to Christ today, if you've rededicated your life to Christ today, just put up your hand and say, that's me. I make that commitment today. Well, Father, we trust that you're here. That, Lord, to this point, you've been a part of our service, Lord. And you've been pleased by all that goes on here. And you know the hearts of each and every person in this place. And so, Lord, I pray for each of these here, Lord, as we continue to follow after you, Lord, and look to you and trust in you and hope in you and you alone. Lord, we recognize it's tough. It doesn't take us long, Lord, to begin to look to other things. And so, Lord, keep us. Stay us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to abide in you and you alone. As Peter concludes in this chapter, remind us, Lord, that since we've purified our souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, that, Lord, we ought to love one another fervently with a pure heart, that having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, that as all the flesh is as grass and the glory of man is the flower of the grass, the grass that withers, the flower that falls away, Lord, your Word 
you, Lord Jesus, endure forever. This is the word that we've trusted in through the gospel that was preached to us today. We magnify and praise your holy name. We love you, Lord, and praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.